Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. I am Katherine Eastman, the Archives Manager for the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, and with me is... David Leopold. I'm the Creative Director. Welcome, David. I'm so glad you could join us. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> We're happy to be back uh, with a brand new episode, and to get started, we wanted to kind of get you guys all caught up on what we've been doing over the past few months. A lot. Uh, it is a lot. We have been working on, well, you know, right now you can still see Hirschfeld drawings uh, if you go to City Center in New York. Um, always a good place to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been working on a new show also that will be in New York uh, at the Harmony Club. We'll give you more information of that. That's going to open in October. Um but we've been spending a significant amount of time on the Hirschfeld uh, Arts Curriculum. Yes. First developed by the New York City Board of Education and now uh, updated and expanded and being brought to cities across the country. Yes. And adding to it. Um, yes. The yes. original curriculum was in a pamphlet. And a pamphlet, yeah. One of the problems that we always uh, found with it is that teachers could the the images weren't big enough and yeah. so the teachers couldn't use it as well so now we've created this web-based uh yes. curriculum that is going to debut in uh syracuse new york uh schools uh this fall um, we've been working with the red house arts complex yes. uh, a great theater group um, their new artistic director is hunter foster yeah. And we put up together a a small exhibition, about 16 pieces, uh, prints um, that uh, could be used first as a learning aid to the summer campers at Red House, but will also be an exhibition for um, the patrons of their first production, which will be Rent. Yeah, and um, a lot of, we tried to curate the pieces that we did bring up for that small exhibition to their current season. Um, and like you said, it's opening with rent. So yes, uh, there is a rent print. <laughs> they <laughs> did uh, for the campers this summer. They, they did into, into the, the woods. woods. Yep. So there's a Stephen Sondheim, a beautiful, um, very popular print of Stephen Sondheim. Oh, up a great there. one. Great portrait. Uh, cabaret, hairspray. Um, it's a really, it's a nice little collection, actually. Actually, of some it is kind of heavy hitters. Yeah. Right, and and they love it. Yeah. And actually, the Red House has been terrific. Yes. We're working, uh, thanks to the Slutsker Family Foundation, we have been able to bring the curriculum. We're going to be working in six different schools um, mm. uh, this year. And we're very excited because this is a big part of the future of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, yeah. is the arts curriculum. Yeah. We'll do an episode about it uh, once everything's up. That's but we've idea. been spending a, a, a great amount of time getting it right making it work uh working with the folks from red house and a couple of other uh partners uh, along the way we've also started a patreon page for the podcast um because it is because of one listeners like you two reviewers like you who give our podcast wonderful reviews on iTunes. five stars yes please i tried to do five stars i don't think i'm allowed to because every time i click five stars it goes back down to zero (laughs) so i don't think you're allowed to review your own podcast (laughs) so those are seven individual reviews we've gotten which is impressive but please leave us a review uh but on from that uh we've created a patreon page where we have a bunch of different tiers uh, where you can pledge a monthly donation this is specifically for the podcast um microphones hosting um guests guests yes hosting uh today i've you know i've spent uh it it was like over two dollars on donuts um, so that we could have (laughs) snacks for the podcast 
Thank there's you. lots of cool incentives. Um, we can read your name on the podcast. There's books that we can send you. Um, and we even have a high level where we'll do an episode of your choosing. Uh, I believe it's patreon.com slash Hirschfeld Century Podcast. No S at the end. Um, that, so it's we kept it easy for you. But please check that out. I'll put it in the show notes. We'd really appreciate it. Great. We would. Um, now it's summertime, and for the last uh, three years, that has meant one thing for the Al Hirschfeld oh, Foundation. Was, we've done more than three years, David. Right, but it's only been three oh, years in the, in the summer. summer. You're right. We've done, this is our fifth installation with the Algonquin third in the summer. I'm sorry. As David I was about to, to say. Be, David likes to be very specific, just like the longest running American musical of Chicago. all time, which is Chicago. <laughs> but, okay, so our third, you're correct. It's our third summer at the Algonquin Hotel. And that's why you shouldn't interrupt me while I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm confused. <laughs> uh, well, look, that's a confused. that's a perpetual state. Um, no, we've been doing for five years. We've been doing these insta- lobby installations at the Algonquin. In the last three years, they've been in the summertime, and they've been a huge hit with uh, visitors, uh, guests at the hotel, and uh, we every year now we've been having a wonderful uh, cocktail party to celebrate. Hirschfeld's birthday, which I think is something that he would have enjoyed. I think he would have too. And uh, every year when we do it, um, we instead of a birthday cake, we have cupcakes. We have about 100 cupcakes. And uh, Catherine makes a different Hirschfeld image. It's like a flag on each cupcake. It takes an insane amount of time. And if anybody knew how much time I spent on it, they'd probably say, Catherine, don't do it again. Al Hirschfeld Foundation Board, please don't listen. (laughs) Uh, but they're very popular and cute. Uh, Everybody wants So you wants can pick theirs. your favorite. You know, you can pick your favorite. Or if you just get a random one, you can learn uh, what it is. Oh, this is Aerosmith. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's very popular. It's great. And uh, and the cupcakes are delicious. They always. are delicious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's a really fun time. And we really appreciate um, working with the uh, Algonquin. Um, this year, as we've had in the last couple of years, Will and Pete Anderson, yes. um, a great saxophone and clarinet. Uh, brother act yes uh played uh for us and it's just really fun celebratory a great way for us to um say thank you to so many of uh our Hirschfeld family yeah yeah, friends of the foundation and, and beyond Right. Yeah. And when I say family, I mean really all the people who are involved in the world yeah, of Hirschfeld. Yeah, we don't actually mean your last name is Hirschfeld. <laughs> right. We, we only have one yeah. of those at the event, and that is Louise Hirschfeld. Right, right. Um, and so, uh, hi, Louise. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but it's a... It, you, we wanted to let you know about it because it's still going on until the end of August. Mm. And if you haven't seen it, you should. This year's theme is the Algonquin Roundtable on Broadway. Because uh, it's their centennial, correct? It's their centennial. Yeah. They had wanted us to do something the just on... The Roundtable's centennial. Correct. Yeah. Uh, they had wanted us to do um, just the Roundtable. And I said that would be great, but we did it. Five years right. ago. That was our first installation. And we did. like Hirschfeld, we don't like to repeat ourselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, we started talking with them and we said, listen, so many of these individuals had such an impact on Broadway. Let's focus on that. And once we started saying the names of the shows, they were like, 
please get how, how quickly mm. can we get this up yeah. and so that's what we're going to talk about today is uh, the the sort of intersection between the Algonquin and Broadway and what Hirschfeld captured of it yeah yeah there's actually a lot to talk about so let's it, get into it over a hundred drawings oh which God. we're not going to talk <laughs> which about which I told David we're not <laughs> she I said 75 <laughs> and then that's it that is not what I said <laughs> In any event, everything really, you have to start with the classic Hirschfeld drawing of right. the Algonquin Round Table. From 1960? 1962, drawn Ooh, for Horizon so Magazine. Um, and I don't think Hirschfeld un- realized at the time, I don't think anybody realized yeah. at the time, but he literally created the image of the Round Table. Right. When you look up Algonquin Round Table in the what is it the encyclopedia Brit- britannica uh it has this drawing in it it's the only image of all the round table yeah. members yeah, and true. it is so iconic that not only has everybody who's ever talked about the round table almost since 1962 mm. used that image but the hotel itself yep. uh, uses that image and if you book a room in the Hirschfeld suite mm-hmm. at the uh, Algonquin, you will actually share a room with that uh, a, a reproduction of that drawing yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, sometimes they bring it down to the lobby. Uh, when we do the installation this year, they kept it up in the room. But uh, go to the Algonquin. It's totally worth it. It's completely free. And yeah, I know. I was going to say, well, the Algonquin's so expensive. You can literally just walk in. Uh, it's a great and, hangout and, place. And go around the lobby, and no one's going to gonna mess with you right and if you want to drink well it's a great place for it a little expensive but that's new york <laughs> so who were the people on the round table and what was their connection to hirschfeld that's what i was gonna ask you david <laughs> <laughs> that's not true i i feel like i have a pretty good grasp of the outcome yes. round table more so than the point. average 28 year old yes it's I true think. uh so it's, yeah who do you want to start with well i want to start with uh in terms of their impact on hirschfeld mm. we should start with alexander woolcott oh yeah um really want uh People today don't really understand the importance of mm-hmm. Alexander Woolcott, but he was a he was a writer, he was an editor, he was a radio personality, he was a playwright, sometime mm-hmm. actor, and he had a on this radio program. Everybody listened to it. He was friends with every celebrity that you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever seen the play "The Man Who Came to Dinner," oh, yeah. Sheridan Whiteside is a very very thinly veiled portrait of Alexander Woolcott. <laughs> And it all comes about because uh, um, Moss Hart had had Woolcott as a guest in his new home in Bucks County. Mm-hmm. and Just Wolc- down the road. Just down the road from where we are now. That's right. And uh, Woolcott was the worst house guest you could imagine. He forced <laughs> out... It's funny because the way you were just describing him sounds like he's just totally lovable and everybody liked him, and which I guess still can be true, but you can still be a bad house guest. You can be a very bad yeah, house yeah, guest, and true. he was. He, he forced uh, Hart's other guests to leave. Oh, no. And then he didn't like his room and demanded uh, Moss Hart's room. Oh, no. And then in the middle of the night, he wanted chocolate cake. What? Uh, which would be great if they had had any chocolate cake, but they did not have any say, chocolate or, cake. I was going to say, or now when you can go down to Wawa in the middle of the night. And in 1936 get... <laughs> or 37, whenever it was, yeah. you could not go down to the Wawa uh, in the middle of the night. Count um, me out. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, and when uh, Moss had just bought a guest book for his home because mm. he thought he'd have all of his famous friends sign it. That's a good idea. And Woolcott was the first one to sign it. And he wrote, this is just to, and I'm paraphrasing mm. now, but it's pretty close. Uh, this is to say that uh, my first night at Moss Hart's new home was one of the worst nights of my oh, life. Oh, no. To which Moss wrote underneath it, it's not my fault. He was drunk. <laughs> but the next day while telling George Kaufman about the experience, he said the only thing that would have been worse is if he had broken his leg and had to stay for a couple of weeks. Oh. And the two of them looked at each other and said, there that's a is. good play. Yeah. And, and they wrote it for Wolcott, who decided to not play it originally because he didn't. He thought it would not be good for his brand, mm. but eventually he would play it in the road companies. Oh, would he? It yeah. was, in fact, the best way we know him today, oh. which is just such... That's so ironic. But in any event, Wolcott's uh, role in Hirschfeld's career is important because he was the first one to ever publish a Hirschfeld caricature. And I'm I'm actually shocked. Is the, Are we talking about Sasha Guitry? No, we are going back are a year and a half Sydney before that. Chaplin? Sydney Chaplin oh. and Irene Rich. It's in the New York world. It's April yep. 12th, 1925. And uh, th- these, I do know this. I just didn't know which one you were talking about. This is the, these two um, drawings appeared side by side yes. essentially mm-hmm. uh and they're the first published caricatures of al hirschfeld yes yep and they're actually a film which is why i yes i assumed it was the sasha Guitry, which is a his first theater caricature uh but these are actually two film film stars he drew his first theatrical caricature in december 1926 yep. so this is 18 months before oh. that and uh it's, they're very crude. Public. Oh, yes, they are. And, and, and Wilcott, Wilcott was public. the editor of the, uh, of, the, of the world at that time, the drama editor of yeah. the world, uh, which those drawings would have appeared in. And, you know, Hirschfeld did drawings for the world uh, very early on in his career. A lot of those drawings appeared. Now, uh, sometimes he brought them to the office himself. Mm. Sometimes they were included in film publicity. Mm, gotcha. Um, but to be published by Woolcott was a sign that you were making it in the industry. I see. Um, and so Woolcott has that uh, very important place yep. in Hirschfeld's body of work. Um, he also would draw Woolcott um, in a summer theater production oh, yeah. uh, uh, of the Yellow Jacket um, yeah. with uh, with Harpo Marx. Yes, in which a... is also funny because Harpo was in Man Who Came to Dinner at the Bucks County Playhouse. Was Alexander oh. Wolcott in that production? No. no uh, George was, Kaufman okay. and Moss Hart I know, was. Yeah, I know they were. Okay. Um, and, and in fact, George Kaufman played the Sheridan okay. Whiteside gotcha. role. Gotcha. And Harpo played the Harpo role, which yeah, right. in the play is called Banjo. Okay. You know, the character is called Banjo. And um, he does do a few lines. Yes. He does speak a few lines. And uh, uh, people said, oh, it's the first time he's ever spoken on stage. No. Not Ro- true. Rob- Mr. Robert Bader will tell you otherwise. Okay, so he's in Yellow Jacket, which is a rehearsal drawing. Yes, it's, it's you know, uh, Al went to uh, summer theaters all during the summers in the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And he would, sometimes he would do complicated drawings of different scenes of the theater. Yeah. When he went up to, um, I think it's uh, up in Massachusetts, uh, they he just did a drawing of uh, Harpo and Wolcott and some of the other actors rehearsing under a tree. Yep. Yeah, and he he liked it enough that he uh, Hirschfeld liked it enough that he put it in American theater as seen by Hirschfeld. So always a sign that uh, yeah, that was a drawing a he liked. One. Yeah, yeah, that was his favorite book. Uh, there's also that's funny that Harpo's in that one. Oh, Harpo is a friend of the Round Table. 
Oh, yes. Of course. Uh, but a there's satellite. Also, yeah, a satellite. Uh, a moon. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's also another th- summer theater drawing of like people appearing in summer theaters and Wolcott and Harpo are together in that as well. What's it's actually the same summer. Oh, it's the same summer. Okay. What's it? What's the, what's the specific title? Oh, uh, like, well, it's oh, many uh, players. Appearing. Some of the actors yeah. you will see on summer stages. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a general of a bunch of actors who are going to be in summer theaters. It was that drawing um, that uh, it's this wonderful drawing of all these actors standing at a train station yes, waiting yes, for their yeah. trains to take them to their summer theaters yeah. there's about 20 actors there's in lot, there yeah. in, that include Kaufman and Hart yeah. and Wolcott and Harpo uh uh Tula Bankhead mm-hmm. and uh, all kinds of people um they're all there Hirschfeld signed the work in a in a unique way that oh, I have yeah. not seen in any other drawing, yeah. which is a little self-portrait yeah. where his beard is his uh, um, signature. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that drawing was used as the end papers uh, in a book called Long Ago, um, mm. and uh, Long, Long Ago, um, which was a collection of Wolcott pieces. Hirsch. And when I first started working with Hirschfeld, I had... I had a copy of the book, mm. and I had seen this Hirschfeld drawing, and I didn't know where it was from. Mm. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I told him what it was. I described it to him. Yeah. I did not. He did not even see it. See the drawing. And he told me specifically what it was. Oh wow! Uh, he didn't know the exact year because he was almost always off yeah. in his years by a year or two. Yeah. <laughs> but he gave me enough information that I did find out wow. where it was, and it was one of those moments that I feel mm. uh, working with Hirschfeld that. It really started our, it deepened our relationship Mm, mm -hmm. because he understood that I was not just going for the most obvious drawings, that I was Mm. really interested in every drawing. Yeah. Um, so what? Yes, yeah, so Wolcott plays a very important uh, role in my life and in Hirschfeld's life. Yeah, yeah. I'm next, I guess. (laughs) Um, If Wolcott plays a role in your life, (laughs) we'll find a way. Uh, another figure in the Algonquin Roundtable uh, drawing is Haywood Brune. Oh yes. Now I don't. I admittedly do not know hardly anything about Haywood Brune, other than the drawing of him from the Vicious Circle. So in 1950, uh, Margaret Case Harriman wrote a book called The Vicious Circle right. about the Algonquin Roundtable, yeah. and uh, Hirschfeld illustrated it. Yeah. And so we have wonderful individual single portraits. portraits of all the Roundtable members. And so there's a great one of Wolcott. Uh, where he is both devil devil and angel Um, because that's what he was. I see. You know, he could be a pain in the ass and he could be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Gotcha. Haywood Brune was actually the very first roundtable member to be drawn by Hirschfeld in 1927 in a style that none of us would recognize as Hirschfeld's. It was for a literary magazine. um, And it's, I mean, you can see the seeds of Hirschfeld uh, there, but it's, it's, it's not a classic Hirschfeld drawing. And uh, he did do a wonderful portrait of Haywood Brune for the Vicious Circle in a very messy room. Brune mm. was kind of a slob. Uh, Brune was uh, sort of slovenly in appearance, but mm. was a very good writer, mm. uh, a theater critic. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes wrote sports stuff. Mm. Uh, he... Um, and he was also one of these characters who was a, he was a doer. He was an organizer. Um, eventually, after a couple of years of the roundtable, he thought they were pretty funny. And he put together a, a show that appeared on Broadway called Shoot the Works. Oh, yes. This is, I love this drawing because it has so many wonderful portraits in yes. it. 
so many very nice portraits. Uh, Brune is at the center of it because yeah. that's what he was. But it also includes Dorothy Parker, which a is barrier, my favorite a, drawing of her. She looks like a little a little deer. Yeah, <laughs> she's got these big doe eyes. It's not the Dorothy Parker that we are accustomed to seeing I because guess not, yeah. we don't think of Dorothy Parker as a very young woman, mm-hmm. but indeed uh, she was, and she was in uh, this show. Uh, George Kaufman yeah. was also in the show. Uh, Nunley Johnson was in the show. I mean, it's it was a lot of the round table and their circle yep. were in this show. And eventually, I mean, one of the things that came out of it was Robert Benchley did this funny bit on the treasurer's report Mm. uh, where it was like he was getting up in front of some organization uh, and giving this treasurer's report. Mm -hmm. Um, And he did it in a very funny way. Uh, Irving Berlin thought it was so funny, he put him in a show. Uh, And eventually, through that, eventually went out to Hollywood and made short films. You know, how to walk your dog. Yeah, yeah. How to sleep. Yeah. How to behave. And which Hirschfeld did a lot of the artwork for. Definitely. Um, There are a lot of posters. Definitely. Um, And Brune also, uh, his impact on Hirschfeld, uh, he wrote the foreword to Hirschfeld's first book, Manhattan Oasis. And uh, Brune was a legendary drinker. So he was the perfect person to do it. So Manhattan Oasis was, and I believe this is the premise, correct me if I'm wrong. Here we go. Here's my test of knowledge. Hirschfeld, someone, is it Hirschfeld that went to the bars? Yes, it's a guide to New York speakeasies. Okay, and collected all of the bartenders, what, favorite drinks or, or signature drinks? No, uh, so what happened was uh, in 1933, after he comes back mm-hmm. from Bali, uh he decides he wants to record the world of speakeasies. Right. And he goes to a precinct, a mm-hmm. house, uh, uh, you know, police precinct, and asks for a list of all the speakeasies, which mm. they give to him. It would be like going to your local police station and asking everybody who makes meth. Right. And they would give you give that the list. Meth lab list. Yes. That's funny. Uh, uh, so that's and he illustrates it. Um, you know, Hirschfeld illustrates it with wonderful portraits of all the bartenders. Yes, uh, and so Haywood Brune did the introduction. Introduction to it, okay. uh, in which he talks. He, he says, "I hope this won't be a memorial volume because the book <laughs> came out right at the time that prohibition was repealed." Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, so the, you know he he's there in the background mm-hmm. of the Hirschfeld story, yeah, just funny. like so many of these characters. Um, there's Mark Connolly. Uh, Connolly is actually the first Round Tables member whose show is drawn by Hirschfeld. Oh. Uh, what also show is 1927, that? The right. Wild Man of Borneo. Oh, this is a great drawing. I actually really like this one. It's a better drawing than show, evidently, because the show did not run very I long. I see. <laughs> uh, but Mark Connolly uh, got his start writing plays with George Kaufman. Okay. Uh, and eventually, would ha- he had an incredible career that is more or less forgotten today. Um, he did a show called Green Pastures, which was oh, yeah. sort of this idealized version of sort of heaven as populated completely by African-Americans. Mm. It's not done today because it's it's it would be offensive to people mm, today. But at the time when it premiered in 1927, and when Hirschfeld first drew it, it was actually kind of a a, a pioneering play. Sure, uh, it was tre- it was giving roles to African American performers who didn't mm. normally get to play angels and God. Right, you know right. the idea that God was a black man right. in 1929. Pretty well. It's 2019, uh, David, and and there would still be a lot of people pissed off. Right. Um, So 
uh, as uh, the drawing he did in 1929 is uh, uh, a, a wonderful 1929 Hirschfeld drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the drawing he did of the revival in the 1950s yeah, is, is really the great one. Yeah, yeah. And so much that Hirschfeld included that one mm-hmm. in American Theater as mm-hmm. seen by Hirschfeld. And that's the one we have up at the Algonquin. Yes. Um, uh, we, Hirschfeld did drawings of other Connolly plays, The Farmer Takes a Wife. Uh, Connolly was also a producer and a director, and he drew several of those shows. Um, he's, he doesn't get an individual portrait in Vicious Circle. He has to share it with Robert Sherwood and Irving Berlin. Yes. Um, but I remember, and, and he's still appearing in shows, mm. uh, as late as the early 60s. There's a play of the week. Okay. Which he's, uh, which he's in it with Ruby D, you know, the great African American actress. Um, but what I remember is uh, the first book I worked on with Hirschfeld was a book for Scribner's called Art and Recollections from right. Eight Decades, and as we were working on that, Hirschfeld said, "Oh, we've got to get this drawing I did of Mark Connolly for a pipe night at the Players," mm. and. I thought, how in the world are we going to find that? <laughs> but sure enough, we found a wow. flyer for it that he Perfect. had done. It, and it is a classic Hirschfeld drawing. It's a very nice drawing. You know, yeah, just a few lines. Yep. And you get everything about Mark Connolly. Yep. But I th- and that was in 1971. We were working on this book in, you know, 20 years later. Right. And uh, he had this very vivid memory of it mm. and thought, I, we have to we include have to have that one. in a, an incredible body of work. To, right. When the artist to says, that out. I yeah. want to have that. Well, you know, you try you better, to find it. You better get it done. Uh, so the, the, Connolly is well represented. Uh, there, there's at least ten drawings related to Mark Connolly. Wow. Um, and we'll try to put a lot of those in the uh, show notes. Um, there, another figure like that. It, it, we talked about Robert Benchley. Yeah. Robert Benchley also had another impact on Hirschfeld's career, mm. although it was posthumous. Oh, I don't uh, know. I don't know if I know. Do I know the story? No, uh, I think maybe. Okay. Uh, so in 1993, Hirschfeld turned 90 years old, yes. and the New Yorker commissioned a, a profile on him yes. from uh, the writer Mel Gusso, and they only printed a portion of that, mm. but along with it, they commissioned a Hirschfeld self-portrait, a full-color mm. self-portrait yeah. um, that would eventually be the signature image of the Lion King film. Yeah, and it's I a think, wonderful. He's like painting the theater seats. There's mm-hmm. salmon color and turquoise. Yeah. It's very it, beautiful. It's a beautiful it's a work. Nice piece, yeah. and, uh, and a classic self-portrait yeah. of, of Hirschfeld's. And so I, I laughed, you know, uh, because it was the first piece Hirschfeld was 90 years old. It was the mm. first piece he had ever drawn for The New Yorker. Right. And that was because, if you listen to this podcast, you've probably mm-hmm. heard this before. In 1937, Hirschfeld did a piece for Life magazine where he took yeah. photos of uh, famous people and a few strokes of his pen, turned them into somebody else. Among those that he did was Harold Ross, the mm-hmm. editor uh, the editor of the New Yorker, and he turned him into Joseph Stalin. And Ross was so offended... 1937, he's so offended that uh, he bans Hirschfeld from the magazine. Right. From the New Yorker. From the New Yorker, yes. And uh, it didn't affect Al's life all that much. He was in 1937, he was in three New York newspapers. He was working for six film studios. He was doing book covers. He Mm. was doing just about anything you could put. There were many other magazines. So the loss of the New Yorker was not the biggest thing in the world to him. 
Um, but here it is, 1993, they commissioned their first work. And a few months later, they call and they want to know if Hirschfeld ever drew Robert Benchley. Mm. And so I said, yeah, we drew sure. Benchley a great deal. Right. And I sent over some images and they decided to do one. There was a new book of Benchley. I don't know whether it was letters or reviews. Mm-hmm. John Updike was reviewing. Okay. And uh, they used this 1955 drawing from Collier's, uh, a, a, a Benchley mm-hmm. at a typewriter with a martini oh, glass yeah, and a, a cigarette. It's, yeah, a, it's a, great a great drawing. Great one. And I thought, oh, well, this is great. A couple months after that, they call again and they said, do you think uh, Hirschfeld would do a drawing for us? Could Mm. we commission a drawing from him? And I told the art director that it was really up to them. Mm. And she said, why is that? I said, because he's been banned from the magazine. And I told her the story. She was appalled, embarrassed, and said, do you think, you know, do you think he would ever forgive us and do it? And I said, I'm sure if you pay him, yeah, he will do, do it. it. Yeah. And so that started uh, a relationship with The New Yorker for the last uh, six or seven years of Hirschfeld's no. life. Um, we talked about Dorothy Parker. Um, he drew Dorothy Parker as early as the 1930s. He did a great drawing of her for The Vicious Circle mm. in which uh, she's peeking out of a men's restroom. Yes. yeah. You know, she's she she was one of those people who was deeply in the male preserve, as Mm. you know, uh, she had broken through the ranks. Um, He did another draw. The next drawing he did of her was for actually a London newspaper Mm. in 1981. uh, S.J. Perlman did a series of articles for the London, I think, Daily Mail, Mm. and they were all illustrated by Hirschfeld. In fact, there's a, a drawing the it's the classic Algonquin drawing mm-hmm. that Hirschfeld recreated and then put at a nearby table S.J. Perlman, That's who's cute. sort of listening yeah. in on their conversation. Of course. You know, uh, so very, uh, Hirschfeld did a couple of variations on the Algonquin mm. uh, classic image. He did another one for Christmas time for the yeah, Algonquin. I like that one. It's got like, it's, it's basically the same drawing, but as a Christmas wreath. In right. The room. There's and also, isn't there a Looney Tunes? There's a Looney Tunes yeah, like, a variation of the Algonquin <laughs> Round Table. Totally and there's a great episode of The Simpsons oh, uh, really? where they there's some, I don't know whether it's a reference to the Algonquin Round mm-hmm. Table or just intellectuals where they have everybody arranged around a table like Hirschfeld's Algonquin Round Table, but as uh, as seen by the Simpson animators. Gotcha. Uh, so it's a real classic. Gotcha. I mean, there's a lot of visual references mm-hmm. in that show always. <laughs> and of course, that's one of the great Hirschfeld ones. Yeah. And one more thing about Dorothy Parker and her connection to Hirschfeld. Um, in the late 1930s, mm. uh, there was, uh, uh, S.J. Perlman lived in... Bucks County, right, in a rural part of Bucks County, and he had found a house in nearby Pipersville that he thought would be perfect for Hirschfeld. Mm-hmm. And why he thought Hirschfeld should have a country home, a man who was well, just all not... of the all of the big wigs in 1930s New York had homes in Bucks County. True, it's not unusual. It wasn't right? completely Moss unusual, Hart. but or... Hirschfeld was a city character. Yeah, that's true. And that's true. Uh, seeing him out in nature. Seem like a be, fish out of water. I think it would be quite funny to watch, probably. Right. <laughs> I can imagine it in my head. And uh, so he brings Hirschfeld out to show him the house. Mm-hmm. And Hirschfeld sees that it needs a lot of work and mm. is not interested. Mm. Thinks, you know, this is just a money pit. Yeah. And uh, as he Which told it to me. Which is probably true. It, it probably yeah. was. 
But Perlman thought it was a good home. Mm. So he went to his friend Dorothy Parker and mm. said, you should move out here. She did. She saw the house. She liked it. She bought it. Uh, she and her husband, Alan Campbell, moved out there and scandalized the local pop- population yeah. when she painted her living room ten shades of red. And this, even, and this is way before Fifty Shades of Grey. No, yeah. <laughs> way before. <laughs> Um, and she cut down a number of trees. Oh, no. And that is the that's quickest a, way a, to earn the ire yeah, of the locals. I was going to say. <laughs> that is a surefire way to alienate so, everyone in Bucks County. It pissed off Perlman, too. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, so, no. Uh, I don't know how if their relationship survived. Oh, no. And maybe Hirschfeld understood that living close to Sid might it, not be the best thing. Yeah, it's probably wise. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Perlman's home was recently featured in the New York Times. Oh, really? It was bought by this guy who does smoked meats. Oh, that sounds and, good. Yeah, <laughs> and very successful at it. And yeah. now they have a lot of money. He sold the business. This is in the, his Bucks County home? Yeah. Oh, I was imagining in a New York apartment. And uh, uh, he oh. and his wife have started this uh, art yard in Frenchtown. And uh, they're, they're, they've put a lot of money into renovating the house and making... The Perlman the, House. The Perlman House. Oh, we should go visit. Yeah. I've never been there. I've never been We should... The okay. Al Hirschfeld Foundation field trip. <laughs> We're going to Perlman's house in Bucks and, County. That and then we'll fun. swing by Dorothy, Dorothy Dottie Park Parker's place. Dottie's. <laughs> we'll go to Dottie's later. Yeah. David always makes fun of me because I always... Like, I always call Robert Benchley Bob. Yeah. Or Ed, Edward Murrow. He's Ed. And David's like, are you friends with these guys? And every time now I'm going to bring up Dottie then. Dottie Parker. Dottie Parker. That's a good story. And that's a good connection to Hirschfeld. Okay. Okay, and and not a well known. Yeah. yeah. Um, another figure from the round table that is almost unknown today, but in his day was huge, was Robert Sherwood. Oh, yes. Uh, Sherwood, the tall man. The tall as I, man, as I like to call him. Yes. Well, a lot of people. Would... Wait, was that actually his nickname? Because I made that up. No, okay. I don't know if it was his nickname, but he was so tall that really? uh, people would say. He was like six five. Oh my gosh! He, and he that is very tall. He, you know, uh, uh, people would say, "How's the oh weather up there?" Oh my gosh! He was six foot eight. He was six, six foot eight. I'm sorry about. Uh, That's basketball level tall. Yes. That's. I, I mean, if you're six three, you're freakishly tall in a room of people. You're okay. six eight. All, to all of our tall listeners, <laughs> Catherine is very short, so it all looks. <laughs> tall to her uh i am five two and three quarters thank you <laughs> i stand by my <laughs> description <laughs> six eight that is very tall uh, this is a quote i just found dorothy parker who is five foot four inches once commented that when she sherwood and robert benchley who was six feet walked down the street together they resembled a walking pipe organ yes that's very cute <laughs> that's very cute Wow. Okay, so he was famously tall. Famously tall, and um, he was an interesting character because he was very taciturn. Mm. Um, but he was also, uh, you know, he fought in World War One, and after that mm. was very much anti-war. And mm. a lot of his his first big success was The Road to Rome mm. in 1927. Hirschfeld didn't draw the original production, but uh, the star of the show was Jane Cowell. And when they brought it back, uh, you know, it had been on Broadway, it had been a hit in 1927. If you were hit on Broadway and you ran six months, that right. was considered an extremely long right. run. 
And then you would go take it out on the road. Um, she came back to New York in the uh, spring and, or summer of 1928, and Hirschfeld did a drawing of her for a magazine uh, um called New York Amusements. Mm. It's a wonderful portrait of uh, just her head and then a smaller figure of mm -hmm. her. Um, so this drawing of Jane Cowell in Road to Rome is a strong, wonderful drawing. The original now resides in the collection of the Library of Congress mm -hmm. because they thought it was so important. Um, probably his best known play today is Abe Lincoln in Illinois, oh. uh, a, uh, a play that premiered in 1937 and uh, I believe won the Pulitzer. Mm. Um, and Hirschfeld would draw it many times yeah, over the years. Yeah, there are several, years. and all of them, at least most of them are very nice drawings. Right. They're all really, really Portraits great. of Raymond Massey. Yeah. <laughs> who George Kaufman once said was oh. so good at Abraham Lincoln that he wouldn't be happy until someone shot him. That's funny. Well, now, did, so did Robert Sherwood play Abe Lincoln? No, no. Raymond Massey. No, because he, he was 6'8". Raymond Massey was 6'3", it says. And right. Abe Lincoln was, I don't I don't think he was that tall. Let's see. Oh, he was 6'4". Uh, evidently was six, to four. Catherine's size matters. So Abe Lincoln in Illinois, this show was such an important uh, showed that in the early 1970s, a uh, collector uh, um, came to Hirschfeld and said that he wanted to decorate his home with Hirschfeld portraits of all the Pulitzer Prize winning plays. And actually wow. not just the Pulitzer Prize winning plays, but also separate portraits of the Pulitzer Prize winning authors. Mm. And Hirschfeld decided to feature the author with the title page of the show in which they won the Pulitzer for. Right, right. So this is wonderful, very lean Robert Sherwood. Yeah. I mean, is almost very tall. Very tall. <laughs> uh, the portrait is obviously very vertical. Yeah. Um, it has the um, the image, and then there's a wonderful drawing of Raymond Massey as Abe Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and there were. He did uh, a series of these. He mm -hmm. did uh, not only uh, Abe Lincoln in Illinois. He did You Can't Take It With You. Yeah. Uh, he did um, Streetcar Named yeah, Desire. Yes, Tennessee Williams, yeah. Um, he did Men in White yeah. with uh, Sidney Kingsley. Uh, I forget the last one. And it's a great series. And when Hirschfeld told me about it, I was very excited. We arranged to have it photographed. Mm. And here were these five sets. And I said, why is there only five? And Hirschfeld said, oh, he ran out of room on his wall. Oh, I was going to say he ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he didn't run out of money. No, he ran that out of room That wasn't a problem. But he did run out of wall Aww. space. Um, and those drawings are now in the collection of the New York Public Library for the Performing mm, Arts. Okay. Um, so, and we used them in a show there in 2013. Mm. Um, so uh, Sherwood, and Sherwood would end up winning three Pulitzers wow. uh, for his plays. Um, another one was Idiot's Delight, mm. which is also an anti-war play, mm. starred uh, London Fontaine, yes. uh, um, and that would also be included, along with Abe Lincoln in Illinois, in the Lively Years, right. Brooks Atkinson and yeah. Hirschfeld's book on the really the most significant plays yeah. of the and, and last the, 50 years. And in the Lively Years, they would have the original drawings that Hirschfeld drew, Yes. Of the place. But then if there wasn't that original drawing. Or if he didn't think the one he that he did. Or if he didn't like it. Yes. He drew a new drawing of it. So it, it, it's like he did draw originally. 
Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it's not a bad cast drawing. Which one? There shall be no next. No, no. Uh, Idiot's delight. Oh yeah, Idiot's delight. Um, yeah, but I like the drawing that, he did. No, you're thinking of the one he did for Lively Years. Yeah. No, no, no. I like the one, the original one. Oh, you Where do. it's kind of them in the front, and then yes. there's like, yeah, I like that one. That that, that is good. But Hirschfeld wanted a cleaner drawing. Mm. Sure. And I so totally he did. Uh, yeah. If you, as soon as you see it, you'll recognize it. Yeah. It's a very classic. Lunt and Fontaine. It is, in fact, yeah, the image nice. of the Lunts that, that if you know Hirschfeld and the Lunts, you would think of this drawing. Mm. Uh, and then the other sh- uh, play that's in there is There Shall Be No Night. Right. Um, and that was a play that Hirschfeld drew originally. Again, mm. a play about, uh, I believe it's a Danish family mm. who, on the eve of World War Two don't think that the Germans would actually invade them. Mm. And of course, when they do, it's very alarming. And their son goes and joins the resistance. Mm. And the son in the original play was played by uh, Montgomery Cliff. Yes. Uh, so the draw- the original drawing is very good. It's even better when he draws it he, for he the live yeah. And when yeah. I say better, I it's closer to what I think Hirschfeld it's, thought was really great. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're, that's all subjective. But yeah, when we say something like that, we mean oh, he takes out all the stuff you maybe don't need. He right. makes it a little bit more precise. And yeah. Purges the extraneous yeah, exactly. uh, details. Exactly. So you get it down to the to yeah. the core. Yeah. Uh, now, Sherwood also has a, a, a significance in Hirschfeld's career. Uh-oh. It is a Robert Sherwood play, The Rugged Path, starring Spencer Tracy. Oh, that yeah. is in the triptych yep. next to Are You With It, which yep. features the very first Nina. Yes. Uh, and you would think a, a Spencer Tracy and a Robert Sherwood play mm-hmm. in 1945, that would be a big deal. Well, it lasted 12 performances. Yep. It was not a big success. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, Sherwood would go on. He eventually was convinced to, he wanted to write a musical. Mm. He wanted to write the book to a musical. Irvin Berlin was working on a, I wanted to do a musical on uh, the making of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> And of course, Irving Berlin. Yes, to do exactly. That. Just a little side note on that. It's, it was called Miss Liberty. Uh, it was directed by Mosshart. It uh, had s- music by Irving Berlin, a book by Robert Sherwood, choreography by uh, Jerome Robbins. Oh, no. And uh, this is going to be the swing in the dream story. Yeah, Alan yeah. Allen McClary, who was the star of the show. Uh, the sets were by Oliver Smith. Oh, I mean, no. it, it, yeah. it had the A team, and she says, just goes to show it takes five geniuses to make a turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It happens too often. Oh, it happens. I always think of Flahooly, which I don't think we've, we might have mentioned Flahooly a very early episode. We won't tell it today. Yeah. We'll have to save it, Uh, but I always think of that show as well when we talk about flops. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And Sherwood shows up in a bunch of drawings uh, for, um, in Collier's. Because, so, when World War II starts, he had fought in World War One. He was too old to fight in World War Two. He becomes a speechwriter for Franklin Roosevelt mm. and eventually goes on to write an incredible book called, uh, um, it's a book about Roosevelt and Harry Hopkins. Mm. Uh, and he wins a Pulitzer for that. Wow. And when he comes, when, he, when the war's finished, he goes out to Hollywood and he writes the screenplay for the best years of our lives mm. and wins an Academy Award for that. Wow. Um, the last, well, there, he did a, there was a show, a musical that was based on Idiot's Delight called mm. Dance a Little Closer um, in the 1980s. That last, it had 
uh, music by Charles Strauss and lyrics by uh, Alan J. Lerner. And it lasted all of one performance. Oh, no. Yeah. It's got to be a record. Yeah, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it's one of many. Um, the last Robert Sherwood drawing that Hirschfeld did was of Sam Watterson uh, oh, yeah. in uh, Abe Lincoln in Illinois. And this is like 94, yeah. 95. Not as good as the Raymond Massey ones. Uh, no. If you're um, asking my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so who does that leave us with? Uh, Edna Ferber. Edna Ferber. Who uh, I am always a big fan of because I love Giant. It's one of my favorite films. So I never forget Edna Ferber. Uh, well, Edna Ferber was quite a character. Seems and, like it. And uh, she wrote plays with George Kaufman. Mm-hmm. You know, George Kaufman was the great collaborator. The portrait in The Vicious Circle of Edna Ferber is uh, it's a boys from Syracuse type with uh, George S. Kaufman, where their faces are meld together. Drawing. It's very yeah, and it's, it's a classic. It's Hirschfeld. distinctly George Kaufman and distinctly, and distinctly Edna, Edna Ferber. Ferber. Yeah, uh, yet they somehow their faces meld together yes, over yes. a typewriter. It's a wonderful one. Um, so Edna Ferber is perhaps best known today outside of Giant to <laughs> Catherine. Um, she wrote the book in which Showboat, right. uh, the iconic musical, was uh, Some uh, adapted. Some argue as the first musical. Really the first, uh, it, it is the first contemporary musical. Right. It's the, really the first musical in which songs uh, uh, and, and the, the da- dances yeah. advance the story. Yeah, right. Um, which seems like, of course, but right. up before 1927. David, then, I so. forget where we were the other week. You gave a great example. You were trying to explain what reviews were like. Uh, and you said it was a great example. And I think about it every once in a while. You said it, it would be like if Frank Sinatra was in, a, was in a show and then in the middle of the play went to the end of the stage and sang My Way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that, what, and everybody died laughing, uh, which is what it was like. They would go to the end of the stage and sing the songs they were known for, and then they'd get back to the real stuff. And nobody cared. Right. Nobody came that, to musical comedy. loved it. In the 20s, to the book was the least important right, thing. Right. Uh, that was the sort of toehold that yeah. they sort of strung everything together. But if the songs had nothing to do with the show, right. it didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, people wanted to hear the, the songs. Yeah. Um, so Showboat, of course, is yeah. a very important, it's an important uh, show. Uh, for show. Sure. Um, although Hirschfeld was drawing theater at the time in 1927, he did not draw the original production. Yeah. He didn't even draw the first revival in 1932. Well, in 32, he, he was in Bali. Okay, that's a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, David, you need to cut him some slack. <laughs> um, oh, right. Uh, but... The first production that he drew was in 1946. Yeah, which is a really nice drawing, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a real classic. Yeah. Um, and uh, we we have the drawing, and that that image uh is one of the ones that's at the Algonquin mm-hmm. right now. Um, he drew the 1950, I think it's 54 um, MGM version, uh, you know, film adaptation. And then he does a string, and uh, I'm sorry, that must have been 52. Uh, um, he did. He drew Burl Ives as Captain Andy uh, in 54 in a Broadway production that I believe was at City Center. Uh, he goes on again at City Center, 
Paul Hartman is Captain Andy, and Jeffrey Holder is oh, leading the dancers. I do love Jeffrey Holder. It's a much more sort of African-American mm-hmm. dance show mm-hmm. with Jeffrey Holder sort of, of leading the pack. Yeah, of course. Uh, he in 1966, Richard Rogers produced Showboat over at Lincoln Center, mm. uh, and Hirschfeld did a great drawing of that—a vertical drawing rather than uh, a mm-hmm. horizontal. Um, in 1983, it was revived on Broadway with uh, Donald O'Connor playing Captain Andy, uh, and you can in all these uh, um, drawings, uh, starting with the the 66 uh, production um, that Richard Rogers did, you can see the change in Hirschfeld's drawings the set starts to disappear. Mm -hmm. It just becomes about the characters. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, the last time he would draw the show, I remember this so distinctly, um, uh, Hal Prince, the late, great Mm -hmm. Hal Prince, uh, uh, directed a production at the Gershwin Theater. uh, I think it's 94. Mm. Um, And I remember having lunch with uh, Hirschfeld the day after the opening. And of course topic at the table was how was showboat Mm -hmm. and this was very telling to me because you know he had seen every one of those productions i'd mentioned and probably more Mm -hmm. and his reference to it was not it's it wasn't as good as 46 or it was better than 66 or anything like that nothing like that he saw completely in contemporary turns uh, in terms and he said oh it was like they were pouring gold on the stage Mm. because it was a very lavish production Mm. and i thought that is just such a telling yeah Yeah, you tell that story quite a bit quite often (laughs) uh no 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 i'm not saying shut up david no i'm saying (laughs) you he always saw even if he had seen a billion performances of oklahoma right he was looking at the one that was on the stage right now and not comparing it Oh, it wasn't it. like I was just doing with his Abe Lincoln and Illinois drawings. Right. right. <laughs> he was seeing it with a fresh set of eyes and as a completely new experience. Because he lived in the present. Right. I mean, right. he was one of those people that the past was something that had happened. Right. Might produce some good story, you know, provide some good yeah. stories for him. But he didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he hired me to think about right. it, which was, right. uh, I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. <laughs> There's also a great drawing of Edna Ferber with uh, two other um, uh, um, authors, women, Mm -hmm. um, that he did for Life magazine, uh, The Queens of Fiction. It was Edna Ferber, uh, Tyler Caldwell, and Francis uh, Perkins. And uh, Edna Ferber is dressed as a cowboy. Yes. You know, and, uh, you know, for the... Well, there you go, for giant. Yeah, is exactly right. Exactly right. So... um, uh, Edna Ferber gets her uh, gets her day in court. Uh, he the only other um, Edna Ferber drawing that he would do. Uh, it's really a uh, we see it more as a George Kaufman play now, mm. uh, because the only Edna Ferber plays that are done mm. now are the Kaufman. ones that she wrote with George right. Kaufman, right. Um, and, and that's true of many of his collaborators. And that's you true know, of nobody's most thinking of the Mark Connolly. Right. Uh, uh, I would I, I would argue that the two playwrights that are revived most often and almost exclusively from the 20s and early 30s are Eugene O'Neill and George Kaufman. Sure. And uh, so uh, she wrote a, a wonderful comedy with uh, Kaufman called The Royal Family, mm. uh, which was, uh, you know, based on the Barrymores. Okay. Uh, Happy who- birthday, Ethel Barrymore. <laughs> 
Well, it won't be when this podcast is released. I don't know. Maybe I'll <laughs> get it up today. Maybe I'll get I doubt it. Up today. it. I All doubt right. it. I got to do it now. I got to show them. <laughs> well, in any event, um, he did a drawing of. Eva Legallion, the great yes. Eva Legallion, who yeah. was uh, Fanny Cavendish in the uh, 1976 revival of Royal mm-hmm. Family on Broadway. It's one of his first Friday drawings. Yeah. And uh, he did the drawing of her backstage. She's holding her dog yep. while she's at the dressing mirror. And a good friend of Eva Legallion's purchased this mm-hmm. drawing. And she got it home and she realized as she was looking at the drawing that he did not include uh, Legallion's rabbit foot that this friend had given her. Mm. So she called up Al and oh. said, you know, why not? He's like, I don't know. Bring it up. I'll put it in. <laughs> no. And so brought it up no. and brought the rabbit's foot with yeah. with uh, uh, with her. And uh, they took one of Al's sketchbooks and they, they opened it up like it was her dressing room mirror, which was like a three-way mm-hmm. mirror. Mm-hmm. And uh, they and they and Al wanted to draw from life, yeah. so they hung yeah. the rabbit's Aww, foot just sweet. like it was. And so the drawing that was in the paper mm. did not have the rabbit's foot. Mm. Whenever it's reproduced now, it has the rabbit's foot. That's the rabbit's foot. foot. Yeah. That's sweet. That's cute. Um, so, so then, well, that, that brings us to George Kaufman then. And we save Kaufman for last because not only do I think he's the best— but he also is the most. Yes. Um, Kaufman's plays have been revived repeatedly uh, for a good chunk of the 20th century and mm-hmm. into the 21st century. There have been recent productions of the royal family, and you mm-hmm. can't take it with you on on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a two-time Pulitzer winner uh, for of the I Sing, and uh, you can't take it with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of which Hirschfeld drew. The first drawing he did of a Kaufman production was in 1930. I talk about it in the Hirschfeld Century book. Um, it's it's January 1930, the first drawing of the year. Mm. And Al does this wonderful composite of these different uh, performers in, in Strike Up the Band. He's got... Uh, you know, the Gershwins wrote the music to it, and he's collaged yeah. part of the music into the drawing. And he gives us his first portrait of George Gershwin, who mm. was a close friend of his. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a profile yeah. of Gershwin conducting. Yeah. He, he conducted the opening night uh, orchestra. There is this wonderful jagged line running down the left side of the drawing, which was something he used at that time, something I think is a direct... Uh, influence of Covarubius mm-hmm. um, to sort of imply the energy that would be in the show, but it's multiple perspective. It's a great modern work. Yeah, and uh, you know it's funny because Kaufman at this point in 1930, Al's been working for the paper for a year and a half. Mm. But he hasn't met George Kaufman, mm. despite the fact that Kaufman is the editor of the drama section right. in which his p- drawings are appearing. <laughs> he's never met uh, George Kaufman. And why has he met, never met George Kaufman is because uh, Hirschfeld would get assignments via telegram right. uh, from the assignment center, Sam Zolito. And he would do the drawings and he would go to the Times and drop them off at the doorman and go on his way. Right. You know, uh, and... Uh, after doing this for about two years, um, he's in a, a theater lobby intermission with his friend Richard Maney, the great uh, Broadway publicist who, who actually, published his first theater character, well, who, who, Sasha Guitry. Yeah, now exactly. I can say Sasha Guitry. Yeah. Uh, 
well, this is, uh, so this is like 1930. Yeah. Uh, after um, uh, Strike Up the Band opens, but uh, they're in the lobby. Uh, uh, Hirschfeld's talking to Maney, and Sam Zolito is across the way and is walking over to them. And when he comes up to Maney and Hirschfeld, Maney says, well, you fellas must know each other. And Hirschfeld and Zolito look at each other and they have no idea who they are. <laughs> and when Manny realizes that, he introduces them and Zolito says to Hirschfeld, you're the most mysterious man on the paper. <laughs> and he invites him to come up to meet the staff. And so Hirschfeld goes up and meets George Kaufman. Mm. Uh, Wolcott was a reviewer at that mm-hmm. time. And then they had just brought down this guy from Boston oh, no. uh, by the name of Jay Brooks Atkinson. Aww. And uh, he, they hadn't just brought him down. He'd been down there for a little bit. I like uh, to imagine he's getting off the train yeah. and they're shuffling him in. <laughs> well, uh, the, It's you like know, a movie moment, meet cute. Yeah. Well, Atkinson and, and, and Hirschfeld, of course, become really great yes. friends and uh, really sort of legendary collaborators yeah. and friends. They see a tremendous amount of theater together. Mm. And they influence each other. Uh, sometimes Atkinson quotes Hirschfeld in his Sunday think pieces mm-hmm. after he's re- done reviewing the place. Uh, so, I mean, they they consider they had a high opinion of each other, um, mutual respect and, and a great friendship. Well, getting so, back to Strike Up the Band, I remember this piece because when we were collecting images for the Hirschfeld Century, we had a horrible reproduction. Horrible. And it was one of, it was so, and I had only been working the foundation for like a year and it you just were so insistent how important it was that we find a good clean image of this drawing and so i went to the library we found it on the microfilms and i cleaned it up for you know, like an insane Days. amount of time yeah it took a long time uh, i wrote a whole chapter while she was doing that. yeah probably uh but it is a very nice reproduction now so i remember yeah, it's that pretty good yeah, uh, i remember and- how important that was And it it. is important because it is a great... It's the first drawing of George Gershwin. It's got collage. It's got, like you talked about, that Covarrubias influence. So it is an important piece. It's really important. And Hirschfeld, unfortunately, one of the reasons we didn't have a good reproduction of it, Mm -hmm. because we don't know where the original drawing is or if it even exists anymore. Hirschfeld had a newspaper clipping, which he painted on because when he did the book American Theater... Uh, as seen by Hirschfeld, he only used a yeah. detail from the drawing yeah. and he literally covered up all the, the entire. Rest. So like when we found it at the library, it was like seeing it for the first time. Right. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it was fun and, yeah. and sort of thrilling. <laughs> the same year uh, that he draws that, he does another drawing of a, uh, a much more popular play called Once in a Lifetime. Mm. This is a, 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 a satire about Hollywood that Kaufman wrote with a a uh, young man who he had just met, oh. uh, Moss Hart. Mm-hmm. And the story of how they wrote Once in a Lifetime is the basis, for the most part, of Act One by Moss Hart, one of the gotcha. great theater books. But uh, just to encapsulate, Moss had this idea of this satire for Hollywood, had written a script, had given it to the producer, Sam Harris, who wanted to make a musical. He didn't, um, Hart didn't want to make a musical. He said, would you work with George Kaufman? Mossar was a huge fan of George mm. Kaufman, who was already a successful playwright. The two of them start working together on it. They try it out. It doesn't work. Mm. They try it out again. It doesn't work. And and this is even though Kaufman is directing, mm. and Kaufman has actually had taken a role in the show. And 
so after the second time, Kaufman says, hey, we tried. Mm. You know, uh, there's nothing more I can do on oh, it. No. It's all yours. If you can get it done, you don't have to give me anything. Mm. You, and uh, Moss Hart is, you know, completely devastated by this sure. because he thought he's on the cusp of the biggest thing ever happening to right. him in his life. Right. And uh, so it's a... Friday night or something, uh, Moss Hart spends the weekend rewriting the script mm. and shows up at Kaufman's home on Monday morning, uh, knocks on the door, the butler answers, mm. and lets him in because he's been coming for eight months, right, right. and this is very typical. Right. Kaufman is still in his bed, okay, uh, and Moss Hart comes in, and he sees on Kaufman's bedside table like 10 scripts. Mm. That uh, of shows he's going to probably direct and maybe collaborate on. Moss Hart says, "I know what's wrong," and proceeds to perform the entire play in front of uh, George Kaufman, who agrees. He's figured it out. They do the rewriting, and uh, they open on Broadway. I think it may be at the Music Box, but I'm not positive of that. And uh, Mosshart has this wonderful story of uh, waking up the next morning. He had, was in a hotel. They had put him up in a hotel right across the street from the theater. And he opens up the blinds to see a line of people no. at the box office. Yeah. Um, and despite the fact of all that uh, George Kaufman had done, he had co-written it, he had directed it, and, right. he, and he took a role in it. Mm -hmm. In the, what may be the only curtain speech of George Kaufman's career, he says that 80% of the play is Moss Hart. Aww. And it's the making of Moss Hart. What's I mean, the play? Once in a Lifetime. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was so... The story went on for so long. <laughs> I apologize. I'm just trying to give you... It's a better story when Moss Hart tells it. I and has the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Hirschfeld drew... I did two drawings of the original production of Once in a Lifetime. The most famous one actually features George Kaufman mm -hmm. in the role uh, as Lawrence Vale, the it's frustrated nice playwright. Uh, I like that one. Um, but he also draws, does a drawing of, uh, there is this joke in the show about, in, instead of the Warner Brothers, they're called the Schlepkin Brothers, and there's 12 of them. Oh, God. And he did a drawing of the 12 Schlepkin Brothers. <laughs> Uh, he would go on to do a lot of the Kaufman and Hart plays. Um, Merrily We Roll Long. Um, of course he does You Can't Take It With You. Still one of the most produced plays in America. Uh, still, I, th I don't know if it's still in the top 10 of s plays done by uh, schools. I bet it is. If it's not in the top 10, it may be 12. Yeah. You know, it's, it's done that often. And everybody. Uh, it's one of those plays that uh, certainly your parents, grandparents, all of them have seen a production, probably have been in a production. I mean, every sooner or right. later, it was one of those plays that everybody did. Uh, so, and of course, he would win a Pulitzer for that. That, as I said, was one of the... Um, pieces that uh, was in the Pulitzer Prize winning series that Hirschfeld did. Um, we have the drawing of You Can't Take It With You up at the Algonquin right mm -hmm. now. Um, when Hirschfeld did that uh, piece, of course, he had to do a double portrait for Kaufman and Hart. Right. Um, but it's a great piece. Um, he also, you, you Can't Take It With You is also interesting because in 1938, Frank Capra makes a film, a uh, film adaptation of You Can't Take It With You. And for reasons known only to Frank Capra, 
he doesn't really use the script. He mm. uses the characters and sort of tells a different story. Interesting. It's similar, but it's not, not the same. Yeah. If you watch the film, if you can't take it with you, uh, you're not seeing the play. Mm. Uh, and But when the film came out, uh, the studio hired Hirschfeld to do drawings. He there did, are, I think, like, eight drawings. There might be like 12. Yeah. There's a lot of them. And they took out full-page ads. Yeah, it's a at, huge... It's reproduction a, yeah it's we have a, a full-size yeah. newspaper reproduction but it's a stats and what's so interesting to me about the advertisement is it has all these wonderful drawings by Hirschfeld of Jimmy Stewart and the whole cast in it but the text which is a column that runs down the left side of the advertisement is all about Hirschfeld mm. and <laughs> all about how incredible Hirschfeld yeah, is <laughs> And it's so amazing because this is 1938. Mm, wow. He's essentially been in the field for a little bit more than 10 years. Right, right. And he has already come to dominate it. That's funny. Completely. Yeah. To the, and everybody knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, we, a few years later when he publishes uh, Show Business is No Business, mm-hmm. uh, in one of the reviews they say, you no more need a Hirschfeld signature on one of his drawings than you need a street sign to tell you it's Broadway. Mm. So merrily we roll along. Not only do, does he draw the original comedy, but of course he draws the uh, star-crossed uh, musical adaptation by Stephen Sondheim mm. and Hal Prince. Mm. That, uh, uh, as we saw a recent production in New York, they're still trying to figure out how to make it successful. <laughs> um, it's an it's an interesting play in which uh, it's a successful playwright, and we see him at the beginning of his career, and each scene takes us back a little bit of the way. So by the end of the play, we're at the beginning of the story. That's funny. Um, it's funny, and it worked for the play. It's been much harder for, for the, the musical. musical. Uh, he would draw of the I Sing in the 1952 revival, and which he did. The other day, I called an Irving Berlin musical, and David nearly had my head. Although, to be fair, it sounds like it's an Irving Berlin musical. <laughs> well, as oh, fate would I have sing? it, the original production was in the Music Box Theater, a theater owned by Irving Berlin. So he wanted it there, for sure. <laughs> uh, he had to put one of his own musicals in a different theater. Ah. Um, he also did a TV production of Of the I Sing in... Uh, the early 70s mm. with Carol O'Connor and Cloris Leachman. And the early 70s TV, made-for-TV movie does not sound like something <laughs> no. I need to watch. <laughs> not one for the ages. <laughs> Kaufman, I think, is a lot like Hirschfeld mm-hmm. in a way because uh, he wrote comedies and mm-hmm. people don't want to take comedies seriously. Yet it's Kaufman's plays that people know. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has seen or has been in uh, you can't take it with you. Uh, whereas Long Day's Journey into Night, not the case. Mm. A lot of people have seen it. Very few people have been in it. Um, but it's the comedies that really speak to people. Sure. And But, uh, you know, the sort of snobbish critics or intellectuals don't mm-hmm. want to actually think they're important. Gotcha. And I think it's the same way with Hirschfeld's drawings. Yeah. Um, because yeah. they are imbued with Hirschfeld's wit, yeah. Uh, because we call them caricatures, because right. we have to call them because something. Because they're in newspapers. Because they're in newspapers, yeah. we tend to devalue them. Yeah. And it's only now that we've sort of gotten past that, right. that we can start looking at them as works of art right. in the same way that we look at so many other works yeah, of art. Which is so important. That's like our, uh, this is the hill we'll die upon. Yes. <laughs> this is the hill we'll die upon. Well, and it, but like George Kaufman, who 
really only gets, I mean, in his day, he was respected because he was popular. Mm. But uh, we're only really getting a sense of what a really incredible writer he was. Mm. Um, now, you know, Library of America has published uh, mm. a collection of his uh, plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think the same thing is happening with uh, with uh, Al Hirschfeld. Mm. So they have, there's a lot of simpatico with them. Yeah. And uh, I think they both will, in 100 years, will still be uh, doing George Kaufman plays. Yeah. And we will still be looking at Hirschfeld. I drawings. hope so. Uh, but you don't have to wait a hundred years. You can be looking at Hirschfeld drawings right now. Whether you have one of uh, the thirteen books uh, collections of his work, uh, I strongly encourage the Hirschfeld Century, a portrait of the artist and his age, written by a really it incredible writer and very expert. Shameless. <laughs> you can get signed copies uh, on our website, Al Hirschfeld Foundation. Or by donating to our Patreon. Yes, it's that's another way of doing it. Yeah. I'll personalize it if it's on your Patreon. That's true. Uh, but you can go to our website, alhirschfeldfoundation.org, and see we, we've got over 7,000 drawings up there. We literally put up things almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should go there. You can uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. At Al Hirschfeld on Facebook, the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. Uh, and oh, what were you going to say about Facebook? Well, we post oh. uh, new drawings uh, literally every day, mm-hmm. uh, usually having to either do with this date in history or someone's birthday. I'm the birthday person. I really like to celebrate birthdays. I find it maddening because <laughs> the first thing I hear when I come in, you'll never guess whose birthday it is today. And then I make him guess. And she using, says, I'll never guess. And then she makes me guess. Yeah. Using what's my line format, yes or no questions only. He makes me give him hints sometimes if it's gone on for more than five minutes. I don't like to do that. I try to make them very obscure hints. I've only I've stumped you like twice. You stumped me the other day with Barry Manilow. No, no, no. I, I got Barry Manilow. You what got was Barry the Man- one you stumped me with? Oh, oh, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Oh, Tom Stoppard. Tom Stoppard. I would have never guessed in a million years. It Tells was you Tom everything Stoppard's you need to know birthday. about Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, but yeah, birthdays um, or on this date in history, something happened. So, or you know, just some current event that has something yes. to do yeah. with uh, a Hirschfeld drawing. R.I.P. Uh, Hal Prince. Uh, right. We 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 do that there. Um, you, so come visit us uh, at any of those places. If you have a question for us, uh, would like to reproduce a, a drawing for maybe you're doing a production of one of the plays we've just talked about and want to use a Hirschfeld drawing, write to us at info at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Yep. I will forward all those emails to David. You kidding. may will probably hear from me <laughs> because I'm the public voice. Um and then if you could rate and review us yeah. on iTunes or wherever or you get your podcast. app of your choice. Uh, this uh, podcast is at alhirschfeldfoundation.com. Or no, 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 that's not our website. alhirschfeldfoundation.org <laughs> slash podcasts with an S at the end. S is for Sherwood. Sherwood. <laughs> that is what you call reaching. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) And uh, we will see you next time. Look forward to it. We'll see you when we do.